Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, July 28th. It is a free-for-all. We did have a false start there this morning. Technology didn't want to cooperate. I had to restart a couple things, but I think we're on track. I think we're broadcasting now. So pick up the phone and join us. We're going to open those phone lines right now, 855-950-3835. Here's the schedule for today. We're here for an hour, uh, you and I. It's a free-for-all, so whatever you want to talk about, I've got a couple topics I'm going to throw out there. Uh, at 9 o'clock, I think I'll be joined by Joel and Henry. I'm not sure if we've heard from them yet for trucking technology and efficiency. And then at 10 o'clock, we'll head on over to Twitter and continue our free-for-all for the day. Uh, calls are starting to come in, so I'm going to get right to it. Let me check and make sure... All right, looks like everything's working okay. We've got calls in the queue. I think we uh, think we're all right here. All right, so a couple things I wanted to talk about. Um, let's talk about surge transportation. We got into this discussion yesterday on the Twitter space. Um, surge came up, but we were really just kind of talking about the whole broker issue again. I really don't know a lot about surge transportation. Let me just start with that. I have been approached by so many digital brokers over the last several years uh, that I get a lot of them confused. I kind of stopped really paying attention to these. They were so, there's so many of them. They weren't really any different from traditional brokerages. They might have some interesting technology. I worked pretty closely with Convoy. Uh, and a couple of the others. So I, I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to Surge. Honestly, I didn't realize how big they had gotten. Um, but the attitude now on the street, and I get it. I understand if you are an owner-operator and you got stuck with this, uh, or you do get stuck with, you know, a broker not paying you or go out of business, going out of business. That sucks. It really does. It's tough. What you have to understand, though, is this is not exclusive to owner-operators and brokers. Every business that ever extends credit to anybody has this risk. Technically, an owner-operator leased to a carrier is extending credit to that carrier because the owner-operator goes out and does the work before they get paid. They have to wait to get paid after they've done the work and after they've put out all the expenses. That's extending credit. Now, for most carriers, they pay in a week or two or three. You're not really extending that much credit, and it's not that big of a risk. But it is a risk. And I tell people when, when the economy is tough and trucking is tough, even your carrier you have to be careful of and watch their finances, pay attention. There are clues that companies are struggling financially and you can't let anybody get too deep into you. This is always a risk. But the, the talk that I hear, and again, I don't know this company, is that they were crooks. They are just in it to rip everybody off. And I, I really doubt that. I do know a lot about business in general. I know a lot of business owners. I know a lot of entrepreneurs, people who have started businesses, people who have succeeded, who have failed. I, I've succeeded and I've failed in business over the years as well. Business is difficult. That's why it's not for everybody. 
You know, we've had, we just talked about this. In the last 12 months, we've had 50,000 carriers give up their authority. It's been a tough industry, a, a, a tough time in this industry. For some people, for others, like we keep talking about, some people are still having a killer year in 2023. It's a really strange economy. It's a really strange time in our industry right now. But I, I, I just think we need to drop this idea that everybody's a crook. And especially in the broker world, they're not. It's just another business. All businesses do the same thing. They try to maximize their profit. That's what businesses do. That's what they should do. That doesn't mean everybody's a crook. And that was the kind of the attitude. Now, I'm still seeing this somewhat. And again, like I said, if you get stuck for money in a deal like this, it's tough. I know. And you can't always protect yourself. You could have had a relationship with Surge. You might have checked their credit. Everything may have been fine until it wasn't. They got stuck. Here, here I will tell you the biggest weakness of all of the digital brokers. None of them have seen a down freight market. None of them seem to understand how volatile the freight market is. They have no experience in the freight market. These are tech people. They understand the tech world. Very, very different business model than trucking or brokering. So that, that is why a lot of these digital brokers have struggled. Now, here's the other thing. And, and I was a little, um, maybe I can go back and find this article. I may have closed it. I took some notes. I, I was a little shocked, honestly, uh, at one of the comments Oida made. So Surge is not out of business. Surge filed a reorganization bankruptcy. We have really two different types of business bankruptcy, just like we have two different types of personal bankruptcy. There are some other vari variables in there, but for the most part, and I'm not even going to start with the chapter 7 and 11, and it, that just confuses everybody. I, I never even remember half the time which one is which. So we have a total bankruptcy. That really means you are ceasing operation. The company is shut down. And at that point, the bankruptcy court takes over, figures out what, it, here's really what they figure out. I'm going to make an analogy here to something we talk about a lot. I tell people, you need to know your net worth. When a company files bankruptcy, the bankruptcy attorney, the courts, determine the net worth. How many assets does this company have and how many liabilities do they have? And what that also means is what do they own and what do they owe? Exactly like working out your net worth. Then if it's a total bankruptcy, the company's out of business, there are rules and laws about which creditors get paid first. In a brokerage, for example, unfortunately, the carriers many times are last. It's just the way the rules are written. Just you got to deal with it. And you should know that going in that as an owner operator, you are never very high on any of these creditor lists. I'm not going to go through all who gets money first. It's it's complicated. That's why we have courts and attorneys that do all this stuff. But they they sell off all the assets and then they start paying off the creditors until the money is gone. 
And the money runs out before the creditors get paid almost every time. Now, there's also a reorganization bankruptcy. Whether you agree with this or not doesn't matter. This is the law. I actually agree with it. I think this is a good idea. If a company is forced out completely, a lot of people are going to suffer. If it's a reorganization, the court comes in. The, the company is not going out of business. They're not shutting their doors. They're going to continue to operate. But their finances will be controlled by the bankruptcy court. So, for example, in this case, Surge, even though they're going to continue to operate, if you were to book a load with Surge right now, they have to pay you in three days and they can't charge you like a quick pay fee. That's what the courts have. That's what the courts are making them do. This is how reorganization bankruptcies work. The courts really start to manage the money of the business. Now, they do it with rules like this. Like you can't tell an owner, operator, a carrier, you're going to pay them in 30 days. You have to pay them in three days and you can't charge them for it. The goal here is to get this company healthy again. And then not as many people will be hurt. It doesn't always work. In fact, the odds aren't very good for a company that's struggling in this freight market. The odds of surge pulling out of this, I think, are pretty slim. But the courts have decided there are enough assets there that they're going to allow them to try again. Now, would I want to go work with them? Um, if the rate was good, I might go pull a load for them. And if I got paid in three days, I might pull another load for them, but I would never pull a second load if I hadn't been paid for the first. I might take a chance on them for one load at a time. Sometimes these companies are going to pay more during this time. They sometimes have to, to be competitive and to get people to pull their freight. So this is a case where I might not write off surge completely. I may go over there and, and Start to build a relationship with them, but do not let them get too deep. One load at a time would be the way I would do it. But Oida made its comment. There was a quote in there from, I think it was Todd Spencer, that said he would like to see a regulation that says if a broker files bankruptcy, they lose their bond. Well, he has to be talking about a reorganization bankruptcy because if it's a total bankruptcy, of course, they're going to lose their bond. They're out of business. I am totally confused by that statement, though. We have reorganization bankruptcy for a reason, to allow companies some breathing room and a second chance at maybe salvaging this so fewer people get hurt. Remember that this company also has a hundred and some employees, I think. We we can save jobs here. We might be able to save some some of the creditors. That's why we have reorganization bankruptcy. That's the law. What sounds to me like OIDA wants to write another law or regulation that nullifies that. If a broker can't have a bond because they filed for bankruptcy, then they can't move freight. It's illegal to move freight without a bond. So I really don't understand that comment. Why would we write a regulation that nullifies the regulation that's been around for about 100 years? Reorganization bankruptcy is, it has always been a thing. 
This law would just nullify it. That doesn't even make sense to me. So I don't know what that was all about. We got a bunch of calls. Let me see on my notes yet. Uh, yeah, a couple more things I want to comment on here. Uh, I saw an article about Landstar predicting the freight market and it's Landstar's opinion that um, we have not found the bottom yet, that there is more room for rates to go down and volumes to go down. That's just one company in their opinion, but uh, I've followed Landstar's um, analysis like this in the past, and they're usually pretty accurate. So I, I wouldn't completely disagree with that statement that there is more room to drop. And we've talked um, about a lot of the owner operators and small fleets uh, that share their numbers with us and how it's still been a really good year. I just had an owner operator yesterday and he's actually pretty new in the business and he's still doing 220 something a mile, all miles. In those kind of numbers, I think there's still significant amount of room to go down. I hope it doesn't happen, but I, I think it will. I, we're, in, we're in a very, very strange economy. Uh, we, it seems to me like we are inching closer to some sort of stagflation. Um, trucking rates are actually bouncing back up a little bit. We have this weird labor market. Inflation is still a big factor. Um, in fact, UPS, the, this is another story I wanted to talk about that ties in. Um, UPS is talking about double digit increases in their shipping rates because of the, of inflation, but mostly because of the contract they just signed. Well, they haven't signed it. The, the, the tentative agreement with the Teamsters looks to me like a really good deal for the drivers and the workers at UPS, but just what we're hearing locally in our area, this isn't any big deal, but I, we've heard from UPS drivers that say they're not signing this. That, that in this area anyway. And that's just, again, one person speaking for a whole terminal. They actually made the statement, nobody in our terminal is going to sign this. I, I don't know if that's true. Um, we've got a couple weeks, I think, till August 22nd is the deadline. Uh, but either way, if they don't accept this offer, that would mean they want more money and more benefits, which would also mean that UPS is going to have to raise their rates even more. We're expecting a double-digit increase. That that affects us. There's nothing we can do about that. It, it, we could try to, to switch maybe more of our stuff to FedEx or the post office, which we will, but we were starting to build a pretty good relationship with UPS, and we were starting to get better rates. And we can't eat shipping. We just can't. Um, we, we try to keep our margins as tight as we can on the product itself, and we we just can't eat shipping cost. If, if UPS raises rates, we have to pass it on. There's no way around it. This is actually, this is how inflation takes down an economy. UPS has to raise their rates. We then have to raise our rates. Um, we haven't raised any of our product pricing through all of this. Uh, sometimes our vendors have raised prices and we haven't. We've eaten some of that. I don't know how much longer we can continue to do that. But at some point, our shipping costs go up, our costs go up. We have to pass it on to the consumer. At some point, that starts to affect sales. People just buy less. And they're being hit with this on all fronts in the economy. This is how inflation takes down a good economy. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about. Let me go uh, 
find this. Um, so I, <laughs> I saw this posted uh, on social media today, and I, I, I was actually just a little shocked about this. So basically, I wanted to get back to the post so I could find uh, the actual wording on this. Okay, I think this is going to be it here. I want to read this. This was the post here on social media. I passed my CDL test last week and was stood up for a job. I'm going to read the whole quote through and then I'll come back and comment on it. Back to the quote. I went through hell trying to get my CDL, memorizing pre-trip notes to getting screamed at by instructors at eight in the morning for forgetting to talk about slack adjusters all in the name of driving team with my dad. Dad called his broker and told him I'd completed my end of the deal. Broker said Swift was hiring. Effin unreal. This dude keeps tabs on me for four damn months just to point me to Swift. Oh boy. All right. End of quote. Now my comments. It, this is the first sentence that just made me shake my head and think we are doomed. I went through hell trying to get my CDL. What a freaking snowflake. Give me a break. Getting your CDL is not that difficult. It's not even close to being difficult. Really. Now, I know some people, if they can't drive all that well, maybe they struggled learning this. So what? To, to think that getting your CDL was going through hell? If that's the case, you should go find another career and occupation because you are not going to make it in this one. Getting your CDL is about the easiest part of, of being in trucking. I, I am just shocked when people would describe this process. Getting screamed at by instructors at eight in the morning. I had to memorize pre-trip notes. I, I, I had to talk about slack adjusters. Uh, what a whining... Wussy. Oh, unbelievable. And uh, who is he blaming here? His dad uh, must run for a broker. I don't know what the arrangement is there. But if you want to be upset with somebody, be upset with your dad. He obviously couldn't figure out that he can't hire you as a driver. He should have known that before he sent you to CDL school. So suck it up, cupcake, and go take a job at Swift or whoever will hire you. Or don't, because I, I can promise you with this attitude, you're not going to make it in this industry. I I'm just really shocked by that. <sighs> like I said, we are in a severe shortage of testosterone in this country. I can't believe this is an adult male talking like this about getting your CDL. Ah, <sighs> unbelievable. Let's uh, let's get to some phone calls and find out what's on your mind today. Let's go to Texas to get started. Paul, good morning. Howdy. Hey, hey, Paul. Um, Paul. I got. Yeah. yeah. Getting your howdy, CDL. Howdy. <laughs> Going through hell. Was it that bad for He's, you? It was walking the park. I came here in 2000, 10 and I I flew in on January the 17th of 2000 and got laid over at the airport in Colorado. And 10 days after I arrived in this country, I'd got my car license, I'd got my CDL, and I was in a truck with another guy from New Zealand that I didn't even know, and off we went. 10 days. 
It wasn't ten hard. It days. Was a, it was a walk in the park for somebody yeah. who just moved from another country. You know what? What I think of when I read this kind of stuff. We just had. This week on Monday, we just had Don Man, the ex-Navy SEAL, on. And I think of the kind of stuff that that man went through to protect our country. I mean, yep. having a gun put to his head, having being tortured for days, the, the misery and, and the work, and that is what I would call going through hell. Getting a CDL, yep. like you said, a, a walk in the park is... is it's easier than that. I, yeah. I am just shocked that yeah. we have adult males who talk like this. I'm not. <laughs> well, I guess I shouldn't be. You're right. I, I shouldn't be, but somehow I still yeah. am. I keep thinking to myself, who who raised the, this kid? Uh, call me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> so I I got I got I got a short list now. So. I am an OIDA member, and I like to beat up on them because if you ask me, they talk out of both sides of their mouth. We want less government. We don't want ELDs, and then, oh, the government needs to step in and fix this. Over and well, over and over. What do you want, over. in or out? Yes. Oh, that they do yep. it on every issue. We don't want to be regulated, yep. but we want to regulate everybody else. Like, yeah, yeah, you need to fix this because yeah. these guys are killing us because we don't know shit. Yeah. We're not saying that. But, but I, I don't even so, understand the um, comment of we, he wants a regulation that if, if you file bankruptcy as a broker, you can't get a bond. Well, then just don't let him file reorganization. It doesn't even make sense to say don't let him get a bond because that puts them out of business. And Owida would be the first one to step yeah. in and say they're moving freight without a bond. Yeah, yeah, that's not right. You need to enforce that regulation. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so talking talking about regulations. So I was listening to Twitter Spaces. What do they call it? X Spaces now. Uh, yeah, don't even get me started on the whole um, X. X is X is X is for the unknown. So maybe it's unknown spaces. Yeah, so, this is the so, weird side of Elon oh, Musk. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a couple of those. Uh, yeah, he sides. does. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was listening yesterday, and government don't fix nothing. Usually they screw it up. Look at your health care from years ago, Obama care or whatever they called it. What a that mess. Was a plaster fire. Yeah. yeah. What a well, mess. Everything the government step in to fix, usually they make it worse. Yes. So whether whether it's truck parking, there's another OIDA pitch and complaint, truck parking or brokers or whatever. The government's not going to fix it. They're going to make it worse. It, you know, the, in my opinion. the so. only government, you know, there's two things the government, in my opinion, could do on parking. One, it, it, and it would be it need to be at the federal level, and that is to allow um, commerce in rest areas on interstates. There's a law yeah, that there's a law against yeah. that. So we don't need to write new regulations. Let's just go get rid of some. Get rid of the regulation that says yes. you can't have commercial activity in a rest area. I, my, my example of this is the Ohio Turnpike. And there are other examples, but I, I love the rest areas on Ohio Turnpike. They're really nice. Yeah, they, they're real good. Yeah, they yeah. are. They've got nice plenty amenities. Space, There's plenty of space. Showers. They're kept clean. Yep. They have an RV yep. park in, in some of them. Really, really nice. Why can't we have rest yeah, areas like get, that on get the interstate? And get straight back on. Right. Yeah. 
But yeah, well, look, you can't I, because of a regulation. I never, That's why this this is the whole yeah. crap about more and more regulations just makes things worse. So that's one thing the federal government could do. Get rid of that regulation and then get the hell out of the way. Other than that, I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing some state and local government involvement in this. It, I, that might work. A par, a private government partnership where we take some government land and with private companies start creating some more rest areas with commerce in them. I'd be fine with that at a local or state level. The federal government needs to get rid of a regulation and then just get the hell out of the way. Yeah, well, uh, I never have trouble with parking because mostly I do not park in truck stops. Exactly. I I said that too. I don't park in truck stops. And I said yesterday, I don't do it because I, I had a pledge when I was on the road with my coach, even though I'm just as long when I'm pulling my trailer as every other truck on the road. And I need lots of space too. And I'm out working in the trucking industry and I buy lots of fuel. I have the exact same right to that parking spot in the back as any truck on the road. But I took it on myself and said, look, I don't like parking in truck stops anyway. I really don't want to run the risk of somebody taking off the front of my coach because it's really expensive to get these things fixed. So I'll go find other parking. I will not take a space in the back of the truck stop. But if I wanted to, I would stand right there and say, I have the exact same right to this space as everybody else in here. And when I'm at home, I guess I'm kind of lucky. When I'm at home, I park my truck and my trailer, whether it's loaded or empty, I park it right there beside my house. Nice. So even when I'm home, I'm not hogging up a spot nice. in a truck yeah. stop. So and we, we I, I slept in a truck stop the other night somewhere. That's yeah, been about I, the first time in probably three weeks. Yeah. I, I have also yeah. talked about the fact that the best way to solve this money, this problem is with money. If there is a profit yeah. in parking, there will be plenty of parking. So look at this as a cost right. of doing business. And if you need to be willing to pay for parking, we brought on a company that's and- that's starting to solve this. They're opening parking lots all around the country without building new parking lots. They're just going and finding all this space that's available and contracting for it. I hope they succeed. So, but I will be parking at a truck stop tonight, and I'm I'm gonna get me a reserve space. Uh, there you I'm go. I'm gonna get my reserve space for free because I buy fuel at that truck stop chain, and I'm gonna cash in a coupon. There you go. And I'm gonna park in a reserve spot, and it's not gonna cost me a red cent. And and your so, day is now set. You don't have to wonder where you're going to stop. Where are you going to find parking? What if I don't find parking? Uh, You know that you can drive to that location, park, and you're done for the day. That's just good business. And it's quite, and I've slept there a few times. And every time I've stayed there, I've used the reserve parking and I've never paid for a spot yet. But quite often you'll see the guys that tack on the end around the edge and the reserve parking, I suppose they've got about 12 spots. Most of them will be empty. (laughs) I don't get that. It's not that big of a cost for the value that it brings. Yeah. So um, did you see the, the video of the truck driver that got attacked by the police dog? 
Yeah, I didn't watch the video itself. I kept seeing the article pop up, but I oh, never okay. watched the video. So every everybody's crying, and it's like, oh, the the well, the police dog, the, the police guys shouldn't have sent the dog to get him, in my opinion. But everybody's screaming that it's all it's all his fault. Well, if the guy done his pre trip, the reason he was going to get pulled over in the first place is because he was missing a mud flat. But then he didn't want to stop, and then when he did finally stop, and the police pulled their guns out. And then he got all nervous and he took off again. Oh, so, see, I didn't know any of this. Oh, all yeah. right. So he, he, he drove for 26 miles, but all he had to do was stop the first time. And it's like, driver, you're missing a mud flap. Oh, well, it fell off. Okay, well, here's your ticket for a missing mud flap. Would have carried on. And it wouldn't. So now it's going to cost the taxpayers of that city because I'll guarantee he's already got a lawyer and he's going to get money out of it. Because the police dog attacked them. Yep. 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 So, so. I, you know, I was talking about this yesterday. I I love the show OP Live. It's on tonight. I, I don't know why yep. this show appeals to me so much, but it really does. I, I, I don't know. I find humor in it's, people being idiots. And it's three hours of people being idiots. And I will tell you this. I may have a... I, I may have a little bit of twisted sense of humor here, but I will tell you when, and there are always chases like this on the show, virtually every night, there's a, somebody doesn't yeah. want to stop. They put all kinds of other people at risk with these crazy chases. And then at the end, things get a little crazy because they get out of the car and they start running. I mean, they just create yeah. the, and I will tell you, it, call me twisted or sick or whatever you want. I am cheering. Let let the dog loose. Let the dog loose. Tase his ass. <laughs> That's why I watch the show. I want to see somebody get dog bit yeah. and tased. I, maybe I've got a yeah, sick sense like, of humor, but I enjoy that. If you want to be an idiot, you're like, going to pay the consequences. Yep. Yeah, well, if he'd done his pre-trip properly, or maybe, maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that the mud flap did just fall off between pre-trip and getting stopped. But probably not. Probably not. But if he pulled over, if he just pulled over when he was when the he seen the flashing lights, and they would have done an inspection, and he might have just got a warning. Oh, you're missing a, a right. black driver. Get that fixed. Okay. Yeah, and it would have been all good. But he, oh no, just crazy. So, and I understand. That's all from, I got. From from yep. what I gather, like I said, I haven't watched it, but from what I gather. They didn't really need to let the dog loose. The situation was under control from what I gather. So you're right. They're probably going to get a bunch of money out of this. And unfortunately, we pay all of that. Yep. Yeah, the state trooper, you can hear him. Do not release the dog. You can hear him. He says it it like four times. Yeah. And And then you hear him say, was that not loud enough for you? Yeah. So the so, state troop, the state trooper that's, that's telling the local cop to not release the dog, he he was, he, you could see he was annoyed. So right. He's like shaking his head and it's like, was that not loud enough for you? And he's probably thinking, what a friggin' idiot. This no, I, is. I, I get it. Yeah. So the, I'm not, I'm not saying the cop was right here. Um, I know he shouldn't have done it, but honestly, I I watched that show. I don't know how cops do their job. I really don't. I I couldn't do it. I I wouldn't make no, it. A, I wouldn't yeah. make it a month. I'd be fired for doing something like this. It just the risk they put people at. It's bad enough when there's a car chase, an eighty thousand pound truck. 
Do you know how much destruction and damage you can cause by doing that? Do you know how many people you put yeah, at risk? So t- for me, yeah. if you got well, your ass bit I, by the dog, too bad. Yeah, well, I, I don't. I don't think it was a high speed case. It's a Western Express truck, so it's probably speed limited at sixty something. So yeah, I don't but, think it was high speed. But, yeah, but I, you could take, I don't know what he drove like, but but, but failing to stop for twenty six miles well, is he, just stupid. So. What if he went through a school zone at sixty miles an hour? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's dangerous. But, uh, Running from the cops is yeah. dangerous. I don't care what speed you do it at. It it shouldn't yes. happen. Yeah, it's it's dangerous for others, and it's also real dangerous and, for it, yourself. And so, I've watched and some friend, of these. He found out the hard way. When so. it's a big vehicle like this, yeah. doesn't even have to be a full blown semi. Any vehicle much bigger than a car, and one of the tools they use a lot to end chases is no good. They use the pit maneuver quite a bit to end chases. Uh, that's another reason I love watching the show. I love seeing a good pit maneuver. Ah, yeah. oh, that's hilarious to me. See yep. a good pit maneuver, but I, as soon as yeah, that, well, uh, the vehicle gets a little bigger than a car, then the pit maneuver doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Um, back in New Zealand many years ago, a couple of my friends and I we used to go buy old beater cars and we'd go find a, a paddock somewhere or a big industrial area and we'd have our own demolition derbies and chases and everything and i can do that pit maneuver <laughs> the, the pit maneuver is awesome we, here's, we used to have here's, a lot of fun here's another yeah. tool they use a lot to end chases and it doesn't work on trucks most of the time the stop sticks they put the the stop sticks yeah. out in the road the car runs them over it slowly deflates their tires it doesn't pop them because they're trying not to create a crash here so if they run over the stop sticks, their tires deflate slowly, and then they're usually able to bring yeah. the chase to a stop. But most of those stop sticks don't work on truck tires. Not a lot of the time. Well, they might, they might pop one or two, but... A lot of times maybe, they maybe just the, don't pop the, them at all. I, I've seen trucks run these things maybe, over and no flat tire whatsoever. Maybe the F-Series pickup truck that was towing a, a flatbed yeah, right. Hot shot shit yesterday. Maybe he'd run over some uh, police stop sticks because he had a flat tire on the right rear on his dually and on the three axle trailer, the right rear tire was missing altogether. But he just <laughs> kept on. I was going 62 and he passed me. Like, oh, man. Get out of the way. So I didn't see the cops coming, though. So yeah. maybe he just didn't do a pre trip either. So right, I'll let someone else have a turn. So. All right. Good stuff. Have a good weekend. Let's go to Illinois. Mike, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? I have a, uh, I have a, are CDs any worth putting money into at right now? Um, we're getting there, but I would, I would keep them as short as possible. Like if I could get a six month CD, I would do that instead of a one year or a three month. The problem is right now on the short terms, you're just not going to get enough of a rate to make it worth it. So I, I would, depending on the rest of your financial picture, I would probably put some money into a CD right now. So let me give you an example. Okay. Let's say we had $10,000 in cash and we wanted to start you know, doing something with it. I would put 2,500 into a one-year CD and then I would wait with the rest of the money. Okay. So that way, if rates go up in a month or two, and I think they will, the Fed is just raised rates again and they're talking about one or two right. more before the end of the year. 
So the odds are that CDs are going to go up. So if we want to get in, put a little bit of money in now and then wait for the rates to go up, maybe the next time the rates go up, maybe you buy another $2,500 CD and then wait for the rates to go up again. And we would call that laddering. We, we do laddering a lot with bonds, okay. but we could also do what's called laddering with CDs, buy a little bit each time the rates go up. It, it's similar to dollar cost averaging with stocks. Okay. So if I, I got 250 to put in, so you're thinking split that half maybe? six months and then wait and see what happens. Well, I just want to be clear. 250,000? 1,000, yeah. Uh, no, I would probably, yeah. if I had that much right now, I'd probably only put 25,000 into that first CD. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. you. I, I, tight. Yeah, I would start getting a little money into that market, making some money, but I, I probably wouldn't do more than 10,000 right now. And who knows, maybe if they raise a uh, half point next time, Maybe then you do a 50,000, you know, it's just kind of take, play it by ear, okay. but, but I, I would put maybe 25,000 into a one year CD right now. And I would want to make sure I was getting more than 4%. Yeah. It's at 5% when I checked uh, yesterday, you know, and I thought the feds raised a quarter yesterday or the day before percent. I was going to wait till next week and see right. if they raise the CDs by then. And that would be a good idea because there's a chance they might on a quarter point raise. Maybe, maybe not. Depends on a couple other factors. But it, I think it's a good idea to wait a week or so. And if they do, then I would probably put in okay. 25000 Okay. Uh, sounds good. And I have one other question not related to this at all. Sure. You got time? Yep. Okay. The, the, the bone broth, the loan of life bone broth. The natural flavoring that's in there. Do you know where it's sourced from? Because I'm having a hard time yep. finding where it I, comes from or how it's made. Yeah, um, I don't have the details in front of me, but when we brought the product in, we I, I always go back through all the sourcing. The one thing I'm, I'm always careful of is if it says natural flavoring, it could be MSG. MSG is considered a natural flavoring, mm -hmm. and I don't want anything with MSG. So I can't tell you exactly, I just don't remember, but I know we went through the process and I do remember it's, it's definitely not MSG. And it, it, wasn't any, okay. it wasn't anything I was concerned about. Okay, not based off of petroleum and all that other stuff, Correct. how to make that. Right. You think it's all good. Okay. Right. All right, that's all I needed then. All right. all right, thanks for your time, sir. You're welcome, thanks for the call. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Darren, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Uh, thanks for taking my call. What's on your um, mind today? I have a question regarding insurance. Okay, yeah. Hey, I got a question regarding insurance. Um, I hear you talk about, be, say, at different times, be careful you don't have your truck insured for way higher than what the company would give you if you do, if something would happen. Right. And so I have a 2013 Freightliner Coronado, which is a glider kit. And glider clip kit prices, when you buy them at this, like currently and in the last number of years, have been run higher than what just a, I don't know, just a truck off the lot, the same year, same miles. Right. So I guess my question is, does an insurance company take that into consideration or no? Yes, because the way the insurance company is going to figure their payout to you is if you got into an accident today or the truck was stolen or caught on fire, totaled, whatever, 
they have their tools that will create a market value for that vehicle today. And they do take into account that it's a glider, that 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 would be part of it. That um, was my question. Yeah, that, that is taken into account. Yeah. So we just do the same thing. And, and really, the best tool to use for this is uh, truck paper. Go to truck paper and there's a place to do a detailed search and you put in all of your specs. I mean, you can get right down to tire size, engine horsepower, all kinds of stuff. You put in your specs and then you search and then you just kind of look at all the trucks available and, and you can kind of start to get a feel for what an average is going to be. I always go through the list, sort it by highest price, then sort it by lowest price. That gives me my range. Then I can kind of calculate an average and, and that gets me pretty close. That's close enough for what we're trying to do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and then real quick, um, that answered my question there. Real quick, I just I hear everyone talking about the whole freight recession. And from one perspective, if I look at last year to now, I can understand, like, rates are lower. But just I just started using profit gauges this year. I did everything on paper before that. And so far this year, I am my profit um, from the beginning of the year is $1.81 a mile. Wow. So, um, Congratulations. So, and I am, so I haul pallets, and that's, so I'm home every night with that. So I don't put a lot of miles on a year. I do right around seventy-five to eighty thousand a year, but that's home every night. And very yeah. nice. So very nice um, operation. Congratulations. So, hey, if this if this trend so, yeah. keeps up, I, I'm going to st- I might start a new ad campaign. Um, something along the lines of "Don't participate in the freight recession this year. Use profit gauges." <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Just, just yep. decide you're not yep. going to participate go. in this freight recession. Yep, yep. Part of what really helped is uh, uh, a couple years ago I called in, and I, I have my truck, I have it 6 by 2 I got 264 rear end ratios in it now. And nice. The 13 speed, so I run it in direct. And I run 50, 57 is my speed. I learned that from you. And uh, my 30-day is currently at 9.07. Wow. And I pull drop deck. Congratulations. So, um, Drop deck open, a lot right? Of or is this, <laughs> is it enclosed with pallets or open? It is, a, it's open. That's I, what I thought. But I only, I haul one way. So I'm loaded. I go out to New Jersey, out of Pennsylvania, go out to New Jersey loaded, and then I do run back empty. Um, I got, I got lift axle in the truck, obviously, and then I got one on my trailer as well. So. Excellent. Yeah. Great job. Yep. Love it. Hey. Uh, that's hey, all I had. Hey, uh, uh, hold on. I, I, I probably okay. shouldn't announce this on the air, but I always do. So my, my team will forgive me eventually. Um, I just actually brought this idea up to the team this morning. Actually, I brought it up to Lisa. She'll take it to the team. Um, I, I'm going to mention it because I'm pretty sure we're going to go through with this. I like the idea. And, and your call is exactly what I want to do more of. So there's a lot of negativity in the world right now. There's a lot of stuff going wrong. There's a lot of stuff we don't understand. I'm kind of tired of being negative all the time. I'm tired of opening up my show with problems and negative stuff. So we're going to create a way uh, for people to submit their success stories. And it could be really small. I mean, if you decided that you should probably add vitamin D to your day and you didn't get sick this flu season, 
that's a success. Let's talk about our successes. And then we have big ones. I mean, I, I consider this story a big success. You, you've built a, an awesome operation there. And I, I, I want to talk more about that. Yep. We're going to do it in a couple of ways. One, we'll let you just submit the story. We'll create a form that makes it easy. So you kind of fill in the blanks and we'll guide you with what information we want. And then I'll just read the story and talk about it as, as my open. Or we'll put a, and I'm okay. thinking out loud, or we'll put a, a box on there to check that when I talk about your story, you want to come on the air with me and we'll make the arrangements so that whoever wants to tell their success story, they can be big, they can be small. Um, you know, I actually want some of these stories. I want to go out and we'll actually interview them. I'm thinking along the lines of um, TJ, who's been really active in our Twitter space. I don't know that he's ever called the show, but he's got a great story. Started with one truck started to build a fleet, came to the CMC for two years. Now he's got one of the most impressive trucking operations I've seen, 80-some trucks. He's got a very, very unique operation um, with terminals uh, in like California, Dallas, and the East Coast, I think. Um, He does a lot of LTL, and he specializes in alcohol and wine. He's just got a really unique operation. Yep. I hear him talk. It sounds really impressive. I, I love that there's guys that do that. I'm like the total opposite. I love, I am the guy that says I'll never have another driver. I love being an interoperator. I love having my own truck, being my own boss. And that's <laughs> where I that, plan to stay. But you know maybe what? that'll change one day, but that's where I'm at that, right now. That mindset alone, in my opinion, is a success. You have clearly defined what yeah. you want your business to look like, and then you built it. To me, that's the ultimate success. Yep. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. So we'll, uh, all right. Hey, thanks a lot. Like I said, I really just told Lisa this idea this morning, but I, I I really want to go through with it. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but I I just want to start talking more about positive stuff. Let's, uh, let's go to Louisiana. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning. Hey, so you were talking about, uh, getting paid by brokers and um, shippers. And uh, I guess it comes down to qualifying your customer because, uh, for example, the company I normally pull for, the load I'm doing right now, I'll get paid for it. And the one I got already booked to come back to Houston, I'll get paid next Thursday night, Friday morning, whatever. But there's another company that I'm signed up with, but I've never hauled a load. And so I was signed up with them, and they pulled for a major auto manufacturer. And so, I, you know, the question you got to ask, so you sign up to subhaul for a company, and then you, you're like, so how do you pay? You know, do you, how many days, whatever. So this, this lady told me, she goes, oh, we pay in 45 days unless we know you. I'm like, what does that mean? I didn't say that, but I'm like, okay, so I've never hauled a load for them because I don't want to wait 45 days. But when I talk to people, they've had financial issues, and they're a big company, and they were run poorly. So do I want to risk? I mean, I'm pretty sure they, they get paid in five days from this auto manufacturer that they haul for. They get paid in five days. So, And I've been told that in confidence. And and it goes back to, go ahead. Yeah, it's a tough call. 
It, it always is that this is not an easy part of doing business. I, and I'll tell you how easy it is to make a mistake like this. I, I should know this stuff. I talk about it all the time. I, I have a vendor right now that owes me $30,000 and I don't know that I'm ever going to see it. Yeah. Now, this is a vendor I had a uh, long, very strong relationship with, had always paid their bills, and then things change. The company got bought. It's a new management team. And I, I never thought I would get stuck holding, a, you know, a $30,000 invoice, but it looks like I'm gonna, it's, it's been over a year now, and I still don't have any money. And I... I um, at, 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 for $30,000, I will probably end up taking them to court. I mean, that's a big enough number that I, yeah, I, you, I, I have to yeah, think about to. it. Right. But, but here's part of the problem. If they're still in business. Oh, there they are. And they've got plenty of money. Um, here's part of the problem. Pretty lax about contracts. We, we had a contract at one point. The first year, I remember, we had a written contract. And, and then over time... We had such a good relationship with them. At some point, the contract disappeared. We just had verbal agreements to just continue, but we just never really bothered to re-sign a contract. And and that's my fault. I, I, I tend to be lax like that. I tend to do a lot of deals on handshakes. I hate paperwork. I hate contracts. I hate going to court anyway. So it's possible I'll just end up writing this off because I may not have enough proof to, to prove it in court. Well. So y'all were talking yesterday on the spaces. I was listening a little bit and I had to go load about these different load boards. Well, there's one particular in the auto industry called central dispatch. It sucks. I've hauled one load off of there in the last year, uh, calendar year. I used to haul exclusively off of that, which I had over 200 ratings, which tells you I've hauled, tells you I've hauled for over 200 brokers. You know, You've talked about that, how that's you just don't want to do that, and, and I agree. So, But they have a rating system, which now they've changed and it sucks, but th there's got to be a rating system for, to rate carriers and rate brokers because there are just as bad carriers as there are brokers, and they drop the ball, and, they, they, and there's so many of them that you've got to be able to – there's got to be some way, and you were talking about reading – reviews and that's how i do i read reviews like you read reviews i read the worst ones and the right. and i read the the best ones and i know that it's somewhere in the middle probably the people generally rate people bad for petty reasons it's like you know there wasn't a towel in my hotel room or right. whatever right. you know i look they, for i look for whether bed bugs or shit like that but you made it you made a good point these, i, I want to go back and highlight the point you just made because i didn't okay. when i talked about reviews the good point that you're making people are much faster to write a bad review than they are a good review. They will write a one-star review over something petty like that, but they won't write a five-star review when they got perfect service from start to finish. They just don't bother. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, I get, I, I don't write reviews, but so, I read them. And I, I'm guilty of this too. I don't write reviews as much as I like them and they are helpful for people. I'm lazy. I hate writing anyway. So I, I have to admit, I don't write reviews when I should, but I don't write bad reviews either. So some people do nothing but write bad reviews and never bother to write. I just don't write them period. Uh, I know I should, but 
Um, but when I read reviews, I take that into account. You're much more likely to see bad reviews than you are good. So you got to kind of fa- factor that in. Yeah. Well, there, there needs to be, and apparently in the freight side of the, the, uh, this world, there's not much of reviews, but they, they take it seriously on the auto transport side with that, um, with central dispatch. Well, they, it, it's a shitty system because, uh, apparently you can't remove a review. I don't know. I, I haven't hauled in that, in that. I, I have an account to look for loads that if I need to, if I get in a bind or whatever, I, I pay that. It's just a cost that I pay to have. And, and, uh, but, uh, there, there needs to be a review because, because there are b- bad people. And so I tagged you in a, a post that last yesterday that the guy with Lombard, he's got a podcast and he's on there talking about the double brokering and how people buy and sell freight. And there's this element in the Eastern Bloc over there, uh, the Russians, the Ukrainians, the Bulgarians, all of them, uh, how they, uh, they set up companies over there and they'll buy freight and they'll double, double broker it from, from abroad. Well, there's a huge problem with that in, in the auto industry, whereas a carrier will, and it's not policed on central dispatch, a carrier can come in there and say they'll start brokering their own freight out. They'll have, like, I guess, private customers, and they'll act like a broker, but they don't have a authority. They don't have a bond. And there is a problem out there with that. I, I just tried to get away from that type of in the business and, and develop, you know, relationships that, with people that I know and can trust and all like that. That so, to me is the only uh, answer to this. I, it, that, this, this is, it, it is, this is similar to the big push for more and more gun control laws. There are so many laws on gun control already, and it, you can't seem to get this across to people. Criminals don't care about laws. That's why they're criminals. You can write all the laws you want. Criminals just break them. So we can't depend on laws and regulations to save us. We've got to use good business practices, good common sense. Um, We have to vet anybody we're going to extend credit to. It's hard work. But that's what I talk about. The people who are willing to do the hard work will solve this problem themselves. Nobody else is going to solve this problem. The government isn't going to. I I always go back. I always go back when I'm looking at a customer, uh, what the the old GM I worked for with uh, Penske Truck Leasing, he'd always say, he, you know, when, when, cause they made us, when we worked in the rental department, go out and collect screwed up invoices or whatever. And he'd say, he'd look at a company like, well, we couldn't get paid on shell for ship from shell oil company from a truck that was rent leased to them for some special, we couldn't get paid forever on it. And he looked at that and he goes, are you, you going to tell me that they don't have the money? They got the money. He said, figure that out. And so when you look at a look at somebody you're going to do business with, you need to try to figure out, do they have money or they don't have money? If they don't have money and they seem shady, then it's qualifying your customer. If you, you don't trust them, then don't do business with them. Correct. You know, you know it, it, it's easy to put them on the do it, not do business list. Extending. Don't, why, why do you want to mess with something? Extending credit to somebody in business is risky. The more work you do to qualify that person or that company, the less risk you have. Uh, there are services available in trucking that rate the credit of brokers. 
nine times out of 10, when I hear somebody screaming about how they got screwed from a broker and I ask them, did you ever vet the broker? First off, they don't usually know what I'm talking about. I have to use something other than vet. I, I have to say, did you go research this broker? Did you check their credit? Well, no, how am I supposed to check? There are services to go check the broker's you credit. Know, let me tell you something else about nasty. So when I when I joined NASIC years ago, it was the first right thing I ever did in all of this. Uh, and I didn't know when I got into auto hauling whether I was going to need – I haven't needed factoring. But I, but I got set up with a factoring company because I called one of the guys in NASIC. I said, hey, I recommend Orange Commercial Credit. We have a, we have a, They're part of our team. We have uh, a relationship with them. Call this guy here. Well, I called him and got set up, but I am not using them. So it's like I just put the account dormant or whatever. But, however, the guy that I talked to with Orange Commercial Credit, he's like, we own the company that does the uh, the credit ratings for the brokers. He said, that's part of our company. He goes, you want to? He said, if we tell you we will not, if they're not in our system, we're not going to, you know, don't don't haul for them. Right. And so if, you, if you're going to have to broker Go to Nasty. They've they've got that set up. If you if you got a if you want a, a factor with a, if you want a factor, go to Nasty and and join them because that's one of the benefits they have. I don't need it. I don't want to use it. But let's uh, let's talk about another tool you could use during times like this. During times like this, extending credit gets even riskier. You know, there was a time, we'll go back to Surge Transportation. I don't know a lot about them, but it wasn't hard to go back and dig into some of their numbers. There was a time where they were an excellent credit risk. They, they were. It, you would, if you, you could do all the homework you want, you would have decided, well, there really isn't a big risk here. I'll extend credit to them. That changed. It changed pretty quickly. A lot of things in this industry changed quickly. So now that we're in an environment where extending credit is riskier, I would be using quick pay options as much as possible. I would give up the little bit of money I needed to pay to get my money out of the broker as soon as possible because that minimizes my risk. If I can get paid in a couple days from a broker, I can set it up so that broker will never be more than one load into me at a time. So the worst risk I have is one load. But if you're on a 30-day schedule with a broker, think about how many loads you might have in the pipeline when they stop paying. Uh, well, here, there's an example. That, so that company I was telling you about that uh, pays in 45 days, I know some people affiliated with a company. Well, this, this, there's a, a small trucking company, a car haulers in the Houston area. They started hauling for them because they needed the work. And they looked down and they were $250,000 behind. And, and and they hadn't gotten paid yet. And, and the, uh, one of the guys called me, and they said, "What do you know?" I said, "Well, I've been told that they pay in forty-five days." And I'm, I said, "They're strict about it." And I'm like, "I haven't hauled a load for them." I said, "I called them one time, but they didn't have anything." But it's like, I'm not going to get into this in, into into somebody owing me a significant amount of money that pays on forty-five days. Yeah. You now I know that that's a trend with certain companies to go even sixty days, not in the auto industry, not in the transportation industry. But when I worked at Amerigas, they switched all new vendors to sixty-day payables. They were going through a mer merger with Heritage Propane, and see, they took everybody. And there, the railroad would say, "Not accept that." I, well, I won't accept that. Here's the reason why. No. The only reason I accept 30 days period and extend credit 
is because it makes for a smoother flow of business. And I understand that. I don't want my accounts payable people writing checks every day. It's a horrible process. It's inefficient. They Accounts payable, most companies do their, all their payments on one day. That's why you give them at thir- up to 30 days. So everybody I might extend credit to in this 30-day period, some of the people, yes, it's 30 days old. Some of these people, it's only going to be a couple days old. They might get paid in a couple days after they submit their invoice to me. If they submit the invoice, you know, three days before our pay date for that month, then they're going to get paid in a couple of days. If you submit that invoice one day after we paid everybody, you're going to wait your 29 or 30 days. That's how business works and it's efficient. So I'm willing to always say, yeah, I might not get paid for 30 days. I'm not going longer than that. There's no reason to go longer than that. Here's another thing. I know somebody Paul knows this person. He told me yesterday, he goes, I looked down and hadn't got paid by blah, 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 you know, X, Y, Z. And he goes, I didn't know I had to invoice him. I said, yeah, you got to invoice him. You got to invoice this one, this one, and this right. one, and this one. You have to send an invoice. If you don't send an invoice, because he's like, I ain't gotten paid since May. And but I'm like, how do they know to pay you? They pay in 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they'll tell you, that's another thing. When you get set up with somebody, it's like, do you, I need to invoice you. Because if you don't need the, and who gets the invoice? Because if you send the invoice to the wrong person, it'll never get paid. You're not going to get paid. Yep. And people and people get on the internet every day and they cry about, I didn't get paid. I didn't get paid. Well, how did you invoice? Did you invoice the right person? And half of these people and, don't. They don't do it. And, they don't send a proper invoice. Ha, they do not. Go ahead. And have you bothered to pick up the phone and call anybody? Because if you did, you'd probably find out you're not getting paid because we don't have an invoice. We don't know we're supposed to pay they, you. Uh, that was ha- that, that was most of our receivables when I was with Penske. It was like cause they had you had to get this. And it's like the receivables list. You call. You have to call people. What's going on? Oh, we don't have an invoice. Here's an invoice. Okay, we'll pay you. It's like they didn't get the invoice. The postal service screwed up. Somebody didn't file it right. And until you talk to the person that does the paying. It's like, just call and talk to them, get a hold of them and say, what's going on? Oh, well, I didn't get this, you know, and they're more than happy to fix it right then and there. But people sit there and assume, well, they're, I sent it, they got it. You know, it's like, until you ask questions, it's, and that's half, that's half most of the battle right there. And, but people get on there and claim, oh, I got ripped off. How long has it been? 45, 45 days. It's like, Jesus Christ. Did you pick up the phone and call these people? Exactly. And a lot of times it's a foreigner that doesn't understand this. And it's like, but still, it's like, it's just part of doing business. If you're going to own your own company, you got to figure out how to invoice, send an invoice, get it to the right person. I, I have been fortunate where I have only been screwed over a couple of times out here. And one of them was a company out of Chicago that bankruptcy left me hanging for about $2,000. I ended up getting a check from the travelers for the, the brokerage uh, for the insurance for like $367. And I know they got paid off of it because it was to a major uh, right. big box car car uh, uh, car, car uh, dealership. And, and it's just, you know, qualifying your customers, qualify your customers, send an invoice. It, it's the small things. It, it shouldn't be. It should, you know... Uh, 
I, I, you know, know, I, I was it, like, I, I hear the frustration in your voice. It's frustrating when you know this stuff. And in reality, it's all pretty simple. And all of the people running is, around people bitching about everything just don't even understand the system they're bitching about. Yeah. Just, you know, for people listening, get an invoice, invoice your customer, set it up. When you get set up, the first, when you set up with a broker or your customer, how do you pay? When do you pay? When do I expect this? And yep. then put a note down and it's like, okay, if this is when I get paid and then, and, and then, it, and then when it doesn't come, you call them and they're like, the check's in the mail. And then it, you got to get home and make sure it's in the box. And you know, it's not a bad idea. Deposit now. Yeah. You know, it's not a bad idea. We, I, I've done this many, many times with lots of issues and lots of companies. When you submit that first invoice to a new company that you've extended credit to a new broker or a shipper, whoever it might be. Not only should you get all that information, where do I send an invoice? How do I get paid? Who do I send the invoice to? And by the way, a phone call right then would not be a bad idea. And and you can make this a get very the positive thing. Don't call them and start yeah, get- asking a bunch of questions unless they're like this. Um, you could certainly ask when I could expect to get paid, what schedule do you cut checks on, things like that. But you should start this conversation when you call this person for the first time saying, I just want to make sure I'm doing this right and, and making your job exactly. easier. What can I do? Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. Yep. What can I do to make your job easier? How would you like this submitted? Is email best? Whatever. Just ask how you can improve this situation and make it better. And then you start to build the relationship. Then you can start to ask them, what happens if I don't see the check by this date? What should I do? Do you want me to call? Do you want me to send you an email? Do you want me to resubmit the invoice? That's that's building relationships. That works. Get to know them. And, and you know, and I don't have problems with the people I deal with right now because... It, it's the one-offs or whatever that I, and, and I've learned that, and when I used that dispatch service, I had to go back and straighten out so much crap that they had in there <laughs> that they were sending, they would send invoices to the wrong people. And I had to go fix all of that. And it's like, and once I got it fixed, it's like, I, now it's like, okay, here's an example. So I got this one customer I sometimes haul for. So I needed a load to get up the country to go to Matt's and all like that. So I called him, okay, I'll give you the load. So he goes, he goes, it's pays approximately this. Okay. Well, I invoiced them approximately that. <laughs> I know the guy. We have a good relationship. Right. Oh, well, I get the check and the check is like, and, well, then he sent me the, the following day or two. He said, this is what it pays. Well, I sent that in. I corrected the invoice. She didn't even look at that. She got the invoice and paid me with the approximate. And I called her back. And it wasn't but $43. But what we did fix, she sent me a check, is in the process of that, I've got on their accounts, uh, their ACH schedule. So if I do a load from now, I'm ACH. Nice. So we got that fixed in the process. Really nice lady. And But you just call. And you don't call with an attitude. Say, hey, I've got an issue here. It's like, can we talk about this? And it's like, most of the time, they're like, what is it? And they're like, huh. Because they're human beings. It's just if you, you come in there with a good attitude, you're going to be met with a better attitude. 
and because it's their job to pay you what you're owed. They're not they're not out there to screw you. And there's the, the people like I said, people just don't invoice properly. And you get on there, and it's like you see that, and you want to say that you invoice properly. And you, I've said that before, and people. They lose their minds over that, and it's like, so I don't even care. It's like, you, you screwed this shit up. Fix it yourself. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, it, yeah, I know. It, it can be frustrating. I am, I, I say it all the time, I'm a big believer. I want low barriers of entry. I want everybody to be able to get into business and try it. But it also creates a very frustrating environment because we have a lot of people in this industry that get into business and don't understand the basics of business. One of the guys screaming online about surge transportation being such crooks is he pulled one number out of a report that they had 150 million in revenue. And his response was, they have all this money and they're ripping people off and not paying them. Well, you don't know how much money they have. We, uh, there's 150 million in no, revenue. You don't. Well, okay, so let's walk through this. Let me help you understand what that really means. We're talking about a broker here. So 150 million in revenue means they moved 150 million on freight bills. So yes, they did receive $150 million. How much of that comes right off the top that they never see? It goes right to the carrier. I'll give you the number. Out of that $150 million, about $125 million of it went out to the carriers. There's $25 million left. So that's a huge drop. So this person was confusing that revenue with actual profit. So now we're at 25 million in what we might call in, in accounting after cost of goods sold kind of. It's not perfect for this example, but it's close enough. Now they have 25 million in revenue to run their business. They had a hundred and some employees. They have three offices around the country. Now you start looking, they might not have any profit. They could have lost money you know what you're in this describing? scenario. You're describing your chicken farm example. Exactly. This is, yes, they, they had to deal with $150 million, but they only got to keep 25 of it as their revenue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people don't understand that. It's like you get all this, you look at the gross you look at, you know, the gross revenue and it's like, okay, that's your revenue, but what did it cost to run everything? And and a broker is a different business. It, very few businesses lose about 85% of their revenue right off the top. And if people don't want to believe that that number is 85%, I have studied the financials of brokerages for years. The average margin for a broker has not changed in about two decades. It's been about 15% of the load forever. That's what well, they tend to average. everybody's suspicious these days. I, and look, are there are, are there brokers out there that are horribly run? Some of them are absolute crooks, no doubt. But we deal with that kind of stuff in business all the time. I mean, think about what um, I don't know why I can arrow. Remember the arrow story? Yeah. Do you know how many people got screwed? Because the, the, the people who ran arrow a trucking company, this wasn't a brokerage. This was a trucking company. They were outright crooks. 
They were, they were turning in false invoices to their factoring company and getting paid for freight that didn't even exist. They almost took down a couple of big banks. It would, the fraud was so bad. That's, that's part of business, like it or not. Fraud happens. You have to be smart enough in business to try to protect yourself well, from this kind of stuff. And, and here's, here's another example. There are plenty of, I know plenty of, listen to plenty of stories about people will pick up a car, use cars, they'll haul it for a broker. It, it's, it's like five days, quick pay or whatever, payables, you know, as soon as it's delivered and they get assigned BOL and the car is delivered, you know, clean BOL, they'll send you a check. Well, people will get there, and then they'll start demanding, I won't drop this vehicle till you pay me. And so the owner of the vehicle is like, ends up paying them. And it's like, it's, it's like, it's criminal because they agree to take it on a, on a certain payable, and then they get there, and then they're, they're like, they don't want to play by the contract that they signed. That happens. That happens a lot more than what you hear about. Uh, uh, I, know, I know it happens in the, P, in the personal and vehicle side of the car hauling industry a lot, and it's people that probably shouldn't be in business, but they think they're out there to get, get, get rich quick. And, you know, they listen to these YouTube videos or these people saying, you can do this, you can do that, and become a millionaire by hauling a couple of cars. It doesn't happen. It's like anything else. You have to build your business and learn it. But people get out there that shouldn't be in business. And you've said it a million times. There's people out here that shouldn't be in business because they look at it as a I guess they look at it as a get-rich-quick scheme. So, I don't know. So, but And let me be completely transparent about that. Under my criteria, I should not have gotten into business. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I am here. I, 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 me either. But, but pretty quickly, I figured out I better learn what I'm doing or I better just get out of business because this is not amateur hour. This is serious stuff. It's difficult. There's a I lot mean, to learn. So I, I, I then started to learn, and luckily I survived. So, so again, I, 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 I'm not going to blame somebody for getting into business, not understanding business. Most of us don't. You know, you can read, no. but so that, I, no, I, I'm, no, we don't. I'm, I'm all for it. I, I, I love competition, so I want everybody to get into business. Try it. That's how we find there's the a, really good thing, people. There's a, thing, there's a thing you need to have when you get into business, even, even though you don't know what the hell you're doing, is called ethics. That's true. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. You you need to have ethics. You need to have ethics. You need to like, try to do things right. You you don't, don't get, don't get in business and try to like, say, I'm going to screw this person over. I'm just going to do this or that. It's like, if you sign a contract, that's what your contract is. If it's for a 30 day payable, you either figure a way to get paid by a factoring company or you wait your 30 days. Uh, don't, don't go in there, you know, demanding you get paid immediately. I mean, I guess there's reasons brokers put things on their 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 agreements like you know don't solicit money whatever because people probably have done it all over the place so yep you know and I understand that and so, and, and let's let's just uh, put this out there I I can't believe we have to say this but obviously we do there are no get rich quick schemes zero none they don't exist no no. The only people getting rich no, it, on get-rich-quick schemes are the people you are paying to tell you what the get-rich-quick scheme is. Those are the only people that make money on this. Yeah. The people are gullible. Yes, they are. 
They want to believe and, everything. And, they are. It's and, like, and, and honestly, I don't really have a whole lot of sympathy for people who continue to be gullible and ignorant. In the beginning, it's excusable. We all do it. We're, we don't even know what we don't yeah. know many times. That's why we're so ignorant, because we just don't know what we don't know until we try it. So I, I'm always forgiving when somebody is new. When somebody's new, you can make all kinds of goofy mistakes and stupid stuff, and I'll just work with you because we've all been there. When somebody's been in the industry for 30 years and they still don't understand how this industry works, I have no sympathy for them at all. Hey, can I compliment you on something? Sure, I love compliments. I compliment you on a lot of things. <laughs> that's pretty awesome what you're doing, trying to help that guy out up there that says he's been living out of his truck in a day cab or whatever and says he, you know, for 30 years or whatever the, you know, they were talking about. You know, they needs to be more people helping other people do things. I mean, you know, I've. You know what? It's, I, it's, I, it's what I, I love it again, about our Paul's helped me, and it's like it, I. Exactly. Yeah, and Paul's helped me immensely, and it's like I, I appreciate it so much. It's like you know, I, I've learned so much from him, and uh, you know, because uh, I, I just like I said before, I try to surround myself with people that know a whole lot more about everything than than myself. You know what? And you know, and I, I don't. When you do that, you are also giving back to that group. When you become a part of that group, when you say you surround yourself with people who do things right and have good ethics and all those things, you strengthen that group when you become a part of it. It's what I love about our tribe. Paul helped you. You're willing to pay it forward, help other people. I've heard you make the offer. A lot of that goes on in our tribe. Yesterday, I I was hoping he might even call today. Um, one of our success stories from the CMC I was talking about, I want to highlight our success stories more often. Um, he holds the record for the youngest person to attend the CMC paid to attend some, you know, sometimes kids would come with their parents and we'd just let them hang out and run around. But he was the youngest person to pay to attend. It was kind of funny because the first night we had a reception and he had to give away his drink tickets because he wasn't old enough. He was 19 when he came to the CMC and man, was he serious about it? Yeah. And, and he, he runs a successful operation now. Uh, and he was on our space last night. I haven't heard from him in years, really. He was on our space last night, but he dropped out. He lost his connection. He sent me a message. He might try to call into the show today. I, I'd love to tell Ted's story and, and catch up with him. Um, it, it was, you know, that's it, awesome. It, it is. And, and I know Ted has now helped lots of people over the years as well. So it, it's, it's what I love about our tribe. Almost everybody in it is willing to share. You know, it's just, it's, it's a good thing because like I said, I told you this before, I'm sitting there going along and I found you on the Sirius XM. I think it was the weekend show. And I started listening. I wouldn't call for years because I'm like, Good grief. And it's like, I didn't want to hear that I'd really screwed up, but I got to know that more I listen. I'm like, yeah, yep, you know, yeah, I, yeah. So I, I you had, know, it, it took several years to fix that. I, I had somebody reach out to me yesterday on social media and say, I, I, I really want to call your show, but I can't do it. I'm the guy that bought a brand new truck, didn't know my numbers, still don't know my numbers, and I'm afraid to call. And I said, look, I I know I can be a little brutal sometimes and I'm pretty hard on people. I said, but uh, but I do it for a good reason. I want to get your attention. I said, I think I've got your attention. I'll 
call the show, I'll go easy on you. I might beat up on you a little bit, but for the most part, I'll go easy on you. We'll get you some numbers and we'll, we'll start working on a plan for you. And, and he's going to call. So I'm glad he reached out and said he was afraid to call. And he probably made the mistake that a lot of people make that they want to go into business and they don't have the money, but then they, they, they get a loan for right. the equipment and they don't put enough down. They don't have any skin in the game. It's like, I, I saw, a, a there's that, that, that auto guy, that uh, dealer guy, he posted a, some information about car loans, about how high oh, they are, how much people are paying on auto loans. And, and I looked at that, and I'm like, I just bought this new pickup, this Tacoma. It was 42040 but I put $15,000 down cash. Right. And it's like, I mean, I had it to put down, but it's like, and my payment's like for something, and I've been adding extra every month, but it's like, the, I guess I got this cheap. I, 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 you see the statistics he posts. It, it's insane. It's like the average car loan now is like a $750 a month payment for eight years. Yeah, that's crazy. The car will be worn out. You won't have any equity. You won't have anything uh, left to insanity. do. It's insanity. Yeah. And you, trans, you look at that, and it's like... The same thing can be applied to this industry here of people getting in there and buying these expensive ass trucks that just a truck and have, you know, and they, you know, it's like, do I have to put any money down? And then they're like, well, you put a little bit down, but like the, the credit union I use, it's like, you got to put 25% down. And it's like, you, you put, you put some skin in the game, they'll go ahead and finance you. And it's like people, you know, it's just, is it easy? No, but it's like, if you want to get the rate and you want to, you know, You've got, it's just, and and I don't, I guess it's just like people, not only in the trucking business, but in their personal cars, they don't want to put any money down. And it's like, and try to get the vehicle and then they get these really ridiculous loans that with these stupid payments and they don't have any equity in the vehicle. And it's like, you know, and I, I, I tried to get across to people the second you signed that contract for that overpriced truck the mistake is made and it can't be fixed. Yeah. I tried to get that across to people. You could be, when you sign this paper right now, you could be dooming your business to failure. This is that big of a decision. And once you make it, I can't, there's nothing I can do to help you fix it. Here's, here's what people need to do when they want to buy a piece of equipment, figure out what it, what what it costs, then look at the financing on it. And there's calculators online and calculate how much that loan is going to cost you. Ugh. The cost of capital, I right. guess that's what it's called. How much that's going to cost you. What are you going to have to pay to use that money? Because they're in the business. We'll loan you this money, but we want this in return. So look at that. Look at how much that the cost of capital. What is this going to cost you to get that loan to get this equipment? Because that's the true cost of the equipment that you're paying paying for is is the is the interest that you have to pay back and and over the term of that loan and my first trailer i got was a it was a it was a piece of crap and it was a i leave one of these dollar payoff leasing at the end and it was like it was a twenty one thousand dollar trailer i ended up paying thirty one thousand dollars for the damn thing yeah. which i only got 12 back yeah when i sold it <laughs> yeah and i maintained it well but that's what that that's what the true cost of that trailer was thirty one thousand, thirty two thousand, because you look at the payment and it's like and you go in there like 
can I pay you? I couldn't pay it off soon. It was a set. It was a set rate. It was eight, it was eight ninety eight seventy five a month or whatever it was for thirty six months, and that's what it was. You couldn't go in there and pay it early to get a discount or whatever. Right. So I just paid it out, and when it was when it was paid off, I ended up selling it because I've got something else. But you know, and my dad always said he worked for a bank. He said when you get a loan, get a simple interest loan because if you don't get a simple interest loan, he goes you can pay a simple interest loan off early. But you get into some of these loans, you can't pay it off early. You pay it off early, you're penalized. So one of the worst, and I don't know that they're even around anymore. I haven't seen one for a long time. But there was a time where, and they were being used in trucking. um, It it was called the Rule of 78. And I tried to tell people, if you see that anywhere on the loan, run the other way. What it does is it front loads all of the interest into the loan on day one. There is no way to avoid paying all of the interest and interest on interest because it's all front loaded into the load on day one. You could walk in five minutes after you sign the contract and try to pay it off and you'll pay every penny of interest. That's, that's, that's what I was describing. That's what I was describing. It was technically, it was called a lease, but everything was front loaded on it. Right. That's what I was telling you about that trailer I had. Yeah. It, and, it, and I looked at that. It, in and a lease, start- it's written into the rules. In finance, we call it rule of 78 and that tells you that's what's going to okay, happen yeah got it yeah but you know I, I i when i started looking at because i had a before this truck here i had a, i bought a freight liner and well before i was looking at different ones to buy and i would look and i kept putting it off because i was like the interest is too much to buy this it's like these high rates that they want because trucking's considered high risk to these finance companies. Absolutely. And, and it, well, the, so the asset that they're, what it is and well, the asset they're financing, they have a term for it. It's called rolling stock. You don't know where that truck's going to be when you need to repossess it. It's really, really difficult yeah. to get a truck back that somebody isn't paying for. If you finance a house, they know where the house is. They can come and repossess it pretty easy. If you finance a car, they know at some point that car is going to be in your driveway or at your place of business, and they have a pretty good chance of repossessing it. Try to find a truck. So so when I went to get this freight liner, it's like I got approved with Bank of Harris. And I looked at the interest rate. It was like 23%. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I went to I went to the credit union down there, and I'm like, Megan, what do you need to, to finance a truck or whatever, 25% down? I'm like, and I looked at that, and it's, I had, I, I, you know, when it when it came time and I had the money, and it's like, I, it was like 6% interest. And I'm like, I just like, I did a bank transfer for, to her for, uh, it was $11,000 or something like that. Cause I bought a $40,000 truck and I'm like, if I don't want to do bank of Harris, it'd been like, I think it was like, Oh, we can do you for 10% down. I'd still be screwed up in that shit. Right. And it's like, so you just have to look at these, these different finance options. And, and as you always said, you do your research, do your homework. If something doesn't feel or sound right, go to the next one. Uh, you know, you just call them out. Because that's a major institution, the Bank of Harris. And it's like, they wanted 22. I don't know what they want now, but I was like, so I got this relationship with this credit union, Dow, Dow, Texas Dow Credit Union down in Lake Jackson. And it's like, that's what I deal with. There if I want to get something, I'll just go to, the, go to her and like, just go down there. They don't, I don't even know if she does a credit check because it's like, I've, I've got some dings. But 
you know, you put the money down and it's like, you know, I set up on automatic payments and it comes out every, you know, every first of the month. And yep. Uh, yep. Hey, I, it's uh, just, Again, I was just looking at the clock. I want to let everybody I know. know. Go. Well, no, I've got 20 minutes left, actually. I'm going to hang out till 10, and then we're going to go to Twitter at 1015. Uh, I think Henry's joining me on Twitter, but we haven't heard from Joel yet. Uh, and Twitter's more of a free-for-all. Well, I mean, we can talk about efficiency. But I've also well, got 20 minutes left, and I have no calls. It's pretty unusual this morning. So if somebody wants to jump in. Well, I'm, I've just been talking to you the last chance. five minutes sitting at the fuel pump. I've been sitting at the fuel pump talking to you for the last five minutes. I guess I should probably go pump some fuel. So Probably. Uh, but, uh, you know, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, it's just before I let you go, it's just it's common sense. It's like do your homework. You know, especially when you're building relationships with somebody you want to do business with out there, just hey, because they I, have a good load post, it doesn't mean I'm you're going to get paid. I, I'm going to push back on something you just said. I think we need to okay. stop saying this. We all do it. I've done it. We should stop saying it's common sense because honestly, it's not common at all anymore. It, That's true. It, it, I know we say that phrase and, and in our minds, we believe that this is so simple that you should almost just know this if you've never even been taught it. That, that's kind of what we mean by common sense. And honestly, so many things in today's world really aren't common sense anymore, and very few people seem to have this knowledge. You know, no, it, they it, don't. It, and, it, it's, and... it's no different than this, this kid I talked about who is pissed off because he went through hell to get his CDL and now some broker won't let him drive for his dad. This kid has zero common sense, what we think of as common sense. He has almost no sense of how the world works. No, and uh, you know what? When, when y'all you were talking to Paul about that, that's the easy part. Getting your oh, license out here is the so easy part. It's so easy. Uh, anybody who it, thinks you know, this finding a good is the hard part? You went through hell? I had instructors screaming at me at 8 a.m. about slack adjusters. I, 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 uh, that sounds exaggerated uh, to me. Of course it is. But, uh, you know, and I don't care if he did you, you, have I was thinking about that. screaming at him. So what? Man up and grow a pair, you pussy. I, I, I hate to say that word, sorry, but, but, but it's just, I can't help but, it. I can't help it. That's, that's the only word I see, can use that's strong it, enough to describe a male that is that weak. It, that's the getting your license, the easy part, going out there and trying to figure out how you're going to get paid and building relationships and figure out look a quality it, shop, it, a good piece. Hold, of hold on. That's the Let, hard part. Let's not even talk about the business because he wasn't even talking about that. He's just talking about driving and he thinks getting his CDL was so tough. Go try to do that first load by yourself without your dad. That's when things can get tough. Yeah, that that first six months, I will say driving is pretty easy. It doesn't require a ton of training. I wish we did a little more training than what we do. But I, I will say that the, your first couple of months out on the road by yourself can be pretty hairy. It, it's a lot of responsibility. A lot of things can go wrong. I get it. But you know what? Uh, it, we all made it through that. 
But it to think yeah. that you think getting your CDL was was going through hell, then I, I really my best advice to that guy is go find another industry. You're not going to make it in this one. Yeah, it was like this friend of mine that I got her into. She's working for a company, but she uh, I told her I said just remember this. Your your first year out there is going to be your year of suck. It's going to suck. It's going to be because you don't know what you're getting into. And that's going to be your hard part right there is figuring that it's getting through that. But if you can get through that and figure that out, then you'll make it. But because my, my year of suck was in hauling chemicals. And I'll tell you what, it was not, I did some shitty stuff. I had to haul acid. I've never hauled acid again. Nobody wanted to haul it. So, Yep. Anyway. All right. I've got calls coming in, so I'm going to cut you loose and we're going to get to some of the other calls. I also um, have an announcement to make. You know, we talk about building relationships and and it's important to our company. We talk about it internally. We build relationships with our customers, our vendors, our partners. It's a big part of our culture. Uh, We have a small company with very little turnover. So we know that you have relationships with our employees. Uh, you deal with tribe care, um, our accounting services, our store orders, um, and, and you get to know people. And I love that. And we get to know our customers. Um, and it's always hard when we do have some turnover. Um, one of our employees is moving on to another opportunity in life and, um, We just want to wish her well. She's been an awesome part of our team. Uh, If any of you have dealt with Christy, primarily if you've had accounting, uh, startup kits, uh, data entry, that kind of stuff, uh, you've worked with Christy. And Christy has also done some customer service work. She fills in on Tribe Care as well. So a lot of you have interacted with her then. Christy's last day is today. We're sad to see her go. I am a little excited that uh, our daughter is stepping into that place, Chelsea. And Chelsea's worked with the company on and off over the years, so some of you have interacted with her before. Um, Chelsea is now a permanent part of the team, so uh, give her a call today if you've got a store order or anything else, and uh, welcome her to the team on a permanent basis now. All right, uh, there was something else I was going to say. I can't remember what it was, so I'll go to some calls. It'll come back to me. Let's go to Colorado. Jim, welcome to the program. How are you today? Good. What can I help you with? I was supposed to call back today, but I noticed Joel wasn't on yet. I'm getting ready to go to back to Twitter space, and I'm driving today, so I wasn't able to join you on there. Okay. I'm specking that mag truck. Oh, that's right. For the heavy haul. Yeah, and you know, um, it wouldn't have worked out anyway because Joel just disappeared today. I mean, normally Joel and Henry are my co-hosts. Joel's the guy, um, and we could probably get Jamie in on Twitter, but I I don't know that I've got time to get Jamie in here now. Um, Joel just fell off the face of the earth today. Normally he communicates with us if he can't make it. So something happened this morning because we haven't even heard from him yet. Yeah, it's not not like I need it tomorrow. So yeah, you know, I, I, we can uh, we can always try next week. Good, because I really want to help you with this. And like I said, it's a little out of the norm. I I can spec a lot of these trucks, but this is one of those where I'd rather get uh, get some other opinions on this one. 
yeah, and I'm having a hard time finding a 14 speed in a Volvo or a Mac right now that's it, used. It is more difficult to do this used, and th- th- and that's another reason. Uh, I could probably say, look, for what you're doing, this is the spec you want. But when you're looking used and you can't find it, then what are the compromises we might be willing to make on this? And again, I think both Joel, Joel and Jamie are going to have better insight on that. Yeah, and I want to pay cash for it. I don't Excellent. We save this money for the truck. So Excellent. That's what this money goes to. Yeah, so, front, so, so I'm glad you've got some time. We didn't I, save 100 Exactly, and I'm glad. Right, even if you did, I probably wouldn't want you spending 180 thousand. It just doesn't make sense. So I'm glad you've got some time on on us. Yeah, I really want to work with you and help with because I think we can really help you with this. So let's let's shoot for next week. Yep, I I got the patience of gold. So excellent. that's something we can always come back to next week or the week after. You know, whatever works for everybody. Good, good. We will do that. All right. Thank you very much. I enjoy everything you do. Uh, I listen to these five days a week, even though you know, sometimes it's in and out. But, yeah, you know, I know. Uh, you, guys have, you guys have done a lot for the trucking industry. It's just a shame that uh, people that have a hard time getting their CDL don't understand the actual industry. <laughs> and listen. Yeah, uh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate the compliments and the support. Let's... Um... Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. What's up, Kev? You almost said the P word the first time when you were talking uh, about that. I you know that, to, right? I wanted you to. had a real good hesitation. <laughs> I heard the hesitation. I said to myself, I said, he's got to say it. He's got to say it. Here's what I really <laughs> wanted to say. I really wanted to say exactly that I wanted to, you know, sometimes I don't know what it is. Sometimes those words just to say them makes it feel better. You know, it was just like, I'm well, yeah, it's like a, I know. I I just needed to vent and I almost, and and then I thought, you know what? I just need to get it out. Uh, Hopefully it's all adults listening. If one of your kids was around, sorry, but I couldn't help myself. Oh, well, I know. I, I heard that. I was like, I, I knew you would want to say. But uh, so, so anyway, so as far, I mean, as far as that to even say that, you know, like Kevin, you, you put that one article on the other time, but with the, with talking about the guy he wanted to help, you know, the one who's sleeping in his truck. I'm noticing lately, like, there's a lot of like negative comments and stuff about truck driving. I, I don't. You know what I mean? See, even you watch the news, like I'm, I'm in South Carolina, for the news, it's, it's like truck driving. You know, I mean, anything bad about truck driving that they're, they're putting out there, I don't get it. I really don't. But, I've been, I, that's all I've done my whole life. Other than one too. year, I worked at an ice cream factory. And, and so I, I made a, a damn good living at it. Well, I, I don't know many industries where there's this much opportunity for people who never even finished high school. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's zero yep. requirement. I'm for, I got a GED. For, yeah, for all there's there's zero requirement. You, you can get a truck driving job with a seventh grade education. Nobody even asks. Say so that's mm. and yep. and we have people now doing really really well in trucking. So the, all of this negativity yeah. and doom and gloom and all these stories about oh my god, truck drivers are homeless after working 14 hours a day for 30 years. That's bullshit. So I reached out to this group, by the way, this concerned citizens group that wrote this hit piece 
about this guy. And then CDL Life decided to publish it. Um, we reached out to them and they have responded. I'm trying to get them on the show. Um, and cool. I, 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 you know, I got to kind of play this one a little by ear because I, I, I don't want to ambush them, but I, I'm going to no, kind of no, let but... them know this isn't a positive interview at this point. This is an interview to set you straight about the hatchet job you did on trucking when you have so you no did, yeah, clue was, how this industry works. It was horribly irresponsible journalism. Absolutely, and even like like the, 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 some of the things she said were like not non truths. Well, they it's don't like, I'm exactly. Like, they don't even make yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, hopefully I'll get on there and be able to help them out or straighten them out, I should say. So I've started doing the X3 bar again. Just started this week. Now, I haven't done it for a long time, <laughs> to say that. With all of you, know, I had my floors done in my house. and all. There's a lot of shit going on. So I just I had an excuse. I made an excuse, I should say. So I finally started doing it. Now, also, I've been on a steady thing with the, the El Ruderide yogurt. Been doing it. Haven't missed it in probably three months. Not had it, you know, I had it every day. Yeah. So I started doing the X3 bar and I'm like, it, I started getting like pain. The first time I did it, I'm like, all right, I get it. I haven't done it in a while. So the next, you know, I did the first day's workout. I go get up in the morning, do the second one. I'm like, man, I'm feeling it. But I pushed through it for the second day. So now I, today I did, so I did two, four days of it. But as, as a, at the beginning, it hurt. As it went on to this, the second, you know, second time for the, it was, the pain went, it's like almost going away, but I can feel like the muscle. I mean, it's building up that quick. I don't know if it's the yogurt, you know what I mean? I can actually feel the, my muscle you know, tighten, being so, tight when I'm just sitting there, like my, my biceps. And so I, you know, I owned a gym. I started working out when I was 12 and 13. I've worked out a lot. I've tried lots of different methods thought I really knew what I was talking about when it came to this. And I, and I even had results. I mean, I could show that I gained this much muscle during this time frame. And But when I read the book, Weightlifting is a Waste of Time, I was blown away at how wrong I was, how wrong the entire fitness industry was. Just like so many other things about our health, we've just been so wrong about so much of this stuff. I talked about the fact that I used to work out two hours a day, six days a week. That, that wasn't cardio of any kind. That was pure weightlifting, two hours a day, six days a week. And how much time I wasted and how shocked I am at how much I gain with the X3 model on so uh, yeah. much less time. It's and then I will say that the yogurt does increase testosterone levels. And when you increase testosterone levels, you will build muscle faster. When you combine these two, I am blown away by how much muscle you can gain quickly. Yeah, like I said, at first it was like, you know, and I wasn't going to give up. I knew because I, when I first time I was doing the X3, I did the whole 12 week program, you know, that they, 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 he says to do. And then, you know, I was fine. I still kept doing it. And then I just fell off of it. But just the, like I said, just the way this, I thought it was going to be a problem. Like here I, and then what I did too, is I wasn't stupid. I'm not going to go back to the bar, to the, to this, this, uh, bands I used in the beginning. I started with the smaller bands. You know, I started with the small, but I, right. I, as far as the chest push and all, I had to do the second one. I couldn't, the small one, I was, 
Yeah. But like again, I I've got fifteen to thirty on them, and it's like, I, so I'm going to stick with them till I get completely before I move up again because if it, I can feel it building up already, you know what I mean? It's just so. Yeah. Any like I said, anyone that X three bar man, everyone's got to try that out. Uh, it it is, works great. It really. All right, I'll let someone else get in there. All right, thanks for the call. All right, guys, have a good weekend. All right, you too. Yep. All right, here's a here's another kind of story I'm working on, I guess. And and this is one of the reasons I know there are still people that for some reason are frustrated that I'm on Twitter. I'm not sure why, but um, here's a, here's another one of the reasons I am able to le- reach people. Um, for the most part, our, our show now on the tribe is, you know, 90 percent people who have heard me for years and know what I'm going to say. Um, the other 10 percent might be fairly new. But on Twitter, I have access to a lot of people that have never heard this stuff. And it, it's kind of rewarding to help somebody like that. I've got one I'm working with. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to help this guy or not. Um, I just made him an offer. So we'll see. But, but I want to go through this real quick. Again, no names. Not, I don't do this to try to embarrass anybody. I, I do this to help everybody learn. So he's been posting on Twitter for a while now. He's, he's a new driver, but I kind of got this impression that he may have tried a lease purchase or bought a truck once and it didn't work. And now he's trying it again. So he posted this. At the end of September, I'll finally be qualified to put my order in. Would you rather have a Freightliner or a Kenworth? (sighs) Just the way he asks the question, believe it or not, I can predict somebody's odds of success or failure with this one question alone. This person's going to fail. I can almost guarantee it. I'm pretty good at predicting this kind of stuff, and I can do it sometimes from one simple statement. He's ordering a truck. That means it's new. Big mistake. Uh, The only question he asked is, should it be a Freightliner or a Kenworth? Completely meaningless. That is the wrong way to ask that question, and it tells me a lot. So, again, I always like to help people. I don't do this to embarrass anybody. So I responded. I said, the make of the truck is not enough info. What is the drivetrain on each of these trucks? Engines, transmission, rear end ratio, tire size. I I didn't realize it was going to be brand new then. How many miles on each truck, price, finance rate, et cetera. Um, Neil, one of our tribe members, actually went out and did a little work and said, here's another truck that would be better for you. He found a 2016 Cascadia for $22,000. That's the kind of truck this guy should be looking at. His answer to that was, I'm just not interested in buying a pre-owned truck again. So my response to him was, in my offer, I said, I'm pretty good at predicting this. Based on what I've seen so far, you are setting yourself up for failure. I'd be willing to help you with a business plan at no cost if we can do it on my show. Um, That's one of the reasons I will offer to help people at no cost, even though I'll end up putting a lot of time into this. I think it makes good show content and I'm willing to trade that. It brings value to me to be able to help somebody like this and have other people watch and listen and learn that I I don't make these offers just because I'm that generous. I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm a practical business owner. I, I want value out of my time. So yeah, I may offer my time at what looks like free, but I make it clear, we have to do this on the show. 
I am not calling you and consulting with you alone off the air. If I do that, I'm going to charge you and I'm going to charge you a lot because my time is valuable. If you allow me to do this on the air, it's a really good way, I believe, of helping other people learn these lessons better. So that's my trade-off. I'm not that generous. I'm really not. I, I usually have a motive and a reason for why I do these things. But I also believe that kind of deal is a win-win-win for everybody. He wins by getting really good advice free. I win at getting good content, and all I have to do is put a little work in for it. And the listeners win because we'll all learn something from these kinds of arrangements. So we'll see. I just made him the offer a couple minutes ago. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Let's go to New Jersey. Harold, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I was listening Wednesday when you were uh, trying to do the lead in there with Lauren and you were getting frustrated. And I, I recalled a book that I had accidentally ran into in about 1973 when I was sitting at a dentist office called None Dare Call It a Conspiracy, written by the John Birch Society guys. And all that stuff you're feeling right now and all that stuff we're feeling as a country right now, it used to feel, seem like conspiracies, but it's all coming true. So yeah. <laughs> it's sad. It so is. Sad. So sad. But it, but but I, I was feeling your frustration on, I know how you feel because everything seems to be engineered against us right now. And you express it way better than I do, but... But I can't seem to get it. You know, it's frustrating for me because this is what I do, and I'm pretty good at it. Taking big, complicated things, helping people understand them. Yes, you are. And and I have been attempting this one for about two years now, and I just can't seem to get my head around it in a way. But I, I am... I am really, really pessimistic about the health of our, our country and the people in it. The, the system gets so much worse every day. I wish I could figure out a way to convey that better. Absolutely. I understand your frustration. I mean, the whole money system, the health system, it, it's the schooling system it's all right feels that way to me it's so frustrating and it all feels like in some way it is coordinated and that really i really struggle with that because I, i tend to believe that these big conspiracy theories are almost not possible you know there there have to be enough people with real morals and ethics that that would stop this or expose it somehow it just seems to me like you couldn't pull off something this big of a scam but there seems to be more and more evidence every year that they are pulling this off you know in in some ways this has been described and there's books out there and everything it's called the great reset and and I, I actually try to avoid these things because it's just so hard to get your head around. But I'm starting to believe they might be right. Yes, I think they might be. He's right on a lot of issues, the guy that wrote that. I think that was going back uh, on a totally different subject here, this Fuel Mileage Friday, right? Uh, I saw the article that Joel had posted, I think on Facebook about the study that was done on the hotshot secret. And I thought, you know, I've tried everything since slick 50, uh, 50 years ago. And 
I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and try it, and my increase has been about five percent on this car carrier, which is about two tenths of a mile per gallon, and I've tried it for the last month, and it's working quite well. I mix it with the catalyst because I've been using catalyst in here since day one on this truck with zero issues, but so I just wanted to throw that out there as well. Got it. Good stuff. But always appreciate what you do, and uh, I'm the one from Visalia area there, but I'm oh, yeah. in New Jersey today. Yeah, I remember that. Good stuff. <laughs> so, All right, well, perf- yeah, yeah. perfect timing. We're going to wrap this up, and we are going to head on over to Twitter uh, for a Twitter space here in just about 15 minutes or so. Maybe a little late getting started. We'll see. Uh, but it is a Twitter free-for-all. Uh, there is another topic I'm going to touch on in uh, in this segment, and it has to do with the um, new owner-operator association that popped up a couple months ago. I ran into him on Twitter, immediately starting having run-ins with them. This is the group that knew nothing about me. I could clearly tell they really didn't even know who I was or what I've done. And immediately, because I disagreed with them, and it was mostly about the broker issue, because I disagreed with them, they started posting a lot of shit. Uh, I was corrupt. I was a fraud. I was morally bankrupt. I've talked about it a couple times. I, I kind of put them on notice and said, look, back down. You know, that that kind of stuff is just completely unnecessary. And then I really kind of disengaged from them. I didn't block them. I, but I, I really was not responding to their post because it, it just wasn't worth it. Um, they're at it again. Um, they picked a huge fight with some of the guys at Freight Waves over this uh, surge issue and then blocked them all. Now, if these were just individuals, owner-operators, eh, who cares? That stuff happens all the time. But They've now thrown their hat into the arena and formed an association of owner-operators. So as long as they continue to behave like this, I will continue to call them out. I don't want anybody getting involved in this group unless you understand what they're really about. These are the officers doing this. The president posted some of that stuff about me and retweeted several things another officer posted. Now they've done the same thing with Freight Waves. They picked a fight with them. They're corrupt is what they're trying to say. I I just don't understand why you would start a professional association and then immediately pick fights with everybody in the industry and just scream that they're all wrong. So I I will be calling them out on Twitter. The reason I'm going to do it on Twitter is because they're there and I hope they join me. I I will make sure that I tag them um, and let them know this is going to be the topic of discussion. Um, I I tried to start an association for owner-operators myself, and I've been upfront about it. I failed at it. Um, It didn't work nearly the way I thought it was. It's a tough business. Uh, I've been very clear about my thoughts about OIDA. I, I don't believe that they are a good, valuable association for owner-operators. I, I disagree with way too many of their tactics and ideas. So, I, 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 you know, it's my opinion. It's all it is, but it's a pretty strong opinion based on a lot of 
of data and research and thinking it through. On the other hand, I couldn't be more excited to now have a partnership with Nastic. I have respected Nastic for decades. I've told people I respect them. I've recommended them and we've never had any kind of a partnership with them. We never really went to seek one out either and they didn't seek us out, but then they did. Uh, Nastic, David Owen reached out to me directly and said, I don't know why we didn't do this sooner. We need to partner. That is an association that I believe is built the way an association should be built. Um, they're not really political. They provide lots of education and lots of services so that their members can run their business better. Um, so I'm excited about that. But I have always, always called out these associations, and I am not exaggerating. In my time in the industry, I've, I have watched at least 20 of these groups come and go. It's really easy to form an association. You don't have to have a lot of expenses in the beginning. Um, they're claiming this crazy number of members, except they have a free membership option. I, free memberships are completely meaningless. Show me who's paying to belong to this organization. And I have a feeling it's a very, very small number, but they're active on social media. They picked a lot of fights with people. So um, I, I'm going to call them out, make sure people know what they're all about, or at least what my opinion of them is. Uh, and then we're going to move on. I'm not going to spend a lot of time debating with these people. It's not worth it. They've already proven that. Um, they yell, they scream, they call names, they make it personal. Then they blocked everybody on freight waves. So I, you can't deal with people like that. But I can make sure owner operators know if you're interested in looking at this group, go ahead. Um, just understand what they're really all about. So that will be uh, a part of my Twitter space today. Could get interesting. Um, we will see you there in uh, about 10 minutes or so now. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.